0: Good morning, church family. We are so glad that you are with us today. And if this is your first time watching online with us, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Here we are in week two of our series, Ghosted, which is leading us into Halloween. And and you know what? You might not like the word Halloween, but I am all about all the free candy that you get at Halloween. I mean, let's be honest. Halloween candy is, there's nothing better, especially good Snickers bars. And as we lead into this, today we get to talk about being ghosted in parenting and what that looks like. And And let's be honest, Halloween is a really tough time to parent our kids sometimes. I mean, how much candy does a little kid actually need? And we as parents are usually more than happy to help them out with that candy. It reminded me of this story that I read not too long ago of this guy who had three kids and he said they did really well in their neighborhood when they would go um, trick-or-treating. In fact, they'd come back with several hundred pieces of candy and so what he did when they were little, he would tell them, listen, Santa Claus brings you a gift at Halloween. The more candy you leave him, the better gift." he's going to give you. And so that worked for his boys until as they got older, they figured out Santa Claus had nothing to do with Halloween. And so then he went to do, uh, if you give me your candy for every piece of candy you give me, I'll give you 25 cents. And he said it was money well spent. His boys usually ended up with a nice toy. Well, his youngest boy, who was eight this last year, he hit the point where he figured out Santa Claus has nothing to do with Halloween. And so same deal, 25 cents per piece. He says, so if I give you my candy, I can take that money and buy anything that I want. And he said, You sure can. The boy was saving up for a skateboard. He goes, even a skateboard, anything I want. He said, Yes. He said, Do you promise? He said, I promise. And so the boy went into his room and he brought out all his candy. And in previous years, usually the boys would give about two thirds, three fourths of their candy. But this boy, he was all in. He brought every piece of candy he had, even the Kit Kat bars, which the kid loved. He was pretty shocked at it, but he figured, hey man, he wants to add to his savings account so he can get that skateboard. And he said it was the best $34.75 he ever spent. Man, he bought all the candy off the boy. He took the candy to work the next day. People at the office started eating it, loving it. Got home that day and it was time to go spend the money. And so they went to Walmart, the boys jump out. The two boys head to the toy section to find out the toy. But the youngest one went straight for the clearance aisle of candy. And he comes back with 200 Kit Kats and they were only gonna be $10 because they were on clearance. And he looked at his boy, and said, you can't do that. He goes, yes, I can. He goes, no, you can't, that's not allowed. He said, you could buy, you said I could buy anything that I wanted to, you promised. And so he wasn't big on breaking his promises to his boys. So sure enough, the youngest walked out with $10 worth of Kit Kats, more candy than he had originally, plus the skateboard he had been saving money for. And the father wrote, he said, I I don't know who was more upset, my wife that this plan wasn't working anymore, or the two older boys that had never thought of that buying more candy would actually pay off for them." So that is a funny and a great story, but it does remind us how hard parenting can be, especially the more kids we add to the family. And as we are in our second week of this series, Ghosted, we're not talking about scary ghosts at Halloween, but we are referring to a fairly new term when it comes to relationships. When you ghost someone, it means this, abruptly cutting off contact with someone without giving that person any warning or explanation for doing so. And sometimes when that has happened to us, and sometimes we have felt that we, we feel this silence that leads to an absence that maybe leads to loneliness, uh, questions can be asked, isolation and regret. When it comes to parenting, if we're not careful, we can ghost our own kids. Sometimes we can disappear on them. sometimes we can uh, not have the relationship that we should with them. And I have to be honest when it comes to parenting. Um, I am the lesser of the two parents in our family. In fact, my wife has been such an incredible help and encouragement to me in this walk as parenting, and she's done so many things that have helped us that I thought it would be proper if not only did you hear from me, but that you also heard from her today. So I want to welcome my wife April with me today as we walk through this talk together.
1: Well, parenting, just saying the word parenting, you can kind of feel the weight of it, right? It carries so much responsibility. And when our kids are little, it seems like Eskimo kisses and Band-Aids for boo-boos and a good snack can solve most of their woes and bring them to a restful mindset. But as our kids get bigger and they grow and they change there's so much more responsibility that would fall into the category of actually raising our children up. And, you know, whether or not you're a parent in the room or not, some of the things we're going to talk about today, they really can apply to any of our relationships in general. And if we're not careful... We'll start to disengage when we feel overwhelmed or emotionally just out, like outdone. We'll start withdrawing, disengaging, and unintentionally start ghosting our kids or other people in our lives. And the last thing we want to do is ghost the people in our lives that mean the most.
0: That's right. So today what we want to do is we want to be encouraged by some of the principles that we find in scripture, because let's be honest, we all do feel like Children are a blessing from God. In fact, the psalmist reminded of this in Psalm 127, 3, where he said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, not the fruit of the loom, is a reward. But before we dive into some of these principles, can we just take a minute and pray together? Let's pray. God, we thank you today that you love us. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to spend some time in Scripture to see some principles that you have laid out for us. I ask that you would remove the distractions that might be in our mind and our heart. Lord, that you would use April and I to speak the truth clearly, that you would use our words to encourage, to challenge. And Lord, we will give you the praise for that in Jesus' name, amen. Now, when my wife and I found out that we were going to do this talk about a month ago, we started talking about what this would look like. In fact, we went away on a trip together and we're on our way back and we started talking about some biblical principles that we have used in our life that have helped us along this journey. And when I got to the end, I was like, man... That is a lot of biblical principles that we have there that scripture teaches us. And we knew that this talk couldn't go on forever. So uh, my wife was incredible in narrowing down the things that we talked about into maybe four main principles. And we are not saying that these are the only things that we should do as parents, but we do think that if we're mindful of these biblical principles, that we're mindful of these four things, that'll help us along our walk as we try to parent our kids the way God wants us to. And so when it comes to parents, the first thing that we want to talk about is that proximity matters. Proximity matters. It's so easy in our world today to get distracted. We can get distracted by iPads, by our phones, by our computers, by our work, Mm -hmm. by sports on TV, by mood, whatever. There's so many things that distract us. There's so many things vying for our attention. And sometimes as parents, we just need to shut the distractions off. Sometimes we need to set the cell phone down. Sometimes we need to encourage our kids to put their phones down. It it never ceases to amaze us when we go out to eat and you look around at the tables and how many people are just engrossed in their phone. But what we have to do is we have to remove those distractions. April, talk to us about some of the some of the principles that come along with this idea of that proximity matters.
1: Sure. So for me there was this moment in time where I am going to call it my epiphany and hold on here with me because there was this moment in time when I realized that my kids were like human, like actual people, like had their own personalities, were designed by God, their own interests, and that they weren't just extensions of me and Barry. And when I realized that they were different than we were, and that God had designed them that way on purpose, um, I started thinking about this thing of proximity and how to keep them close, help them feel close to us and us feel close to them and what that could look like. You know, for our oldest, if we were going to do family nights, right, like a lot of families, that's one of the tools they use for proximity hey we're gonna have a family night so if we did a movie night every time for family night our oldest would be all in he loves movies our youngest on the other hand hates movies like super hates them doesn't like the theater doesn't like them at home pretty much popcorn's the only thing he really likes about movies Um, but if you said hey let's go play a family game of wiffle ball down the street at the park he'd be all in he'd be zooming out the door yes let's go Our daughter, on the other hand, in the middle, she couldn't care less about either of those two things. She'd just wanna make a trip up to 12 Oaks and do some shopping. Or maybe Target. Definitely Target, you're so right, or Target. So each of our kids, spending time with them, having this proximity where they feel close to us looks different. Um, Partnered with that, I think, is knowing their interests and then taking that to the next level and being interested in it as well. So our oldest, again, he had this time as freshman year of high school. he, He was all about building his own computer, which I have zero, like no negative interest in. But for this weird season of time when he was learning to do this, I went all in with him. I took him to the nerdy computer stores and I watched, I'm not exaggerating, a 45 minute long YouTube tutorial that gave the exact products to buy, the sequence in which to build the computer. I sat there with him and watched the whole thing. And I think back, I don't think Caleb realized at the time that I was being so intentional about this, but what he did know is that what mattered to him also mattered to me. So when we think about proximity and the practical part for our kids, I think that's a big thing, finding what they're interested in. Barry's applied this in coaching. He's coached all three of our kids, different sports, different times in their lives. Um, But because they enjoy that athletic part together, the challenge of getting better, we've seen so much value come out of that.
0: That's right. And we don't always make the right choices. We don't always get this right, trust us. But we Mm -hmm. have found that when we turn off the television, or we get off our phones or we uh, stop working yeah. and we are present with our kids, we see it pay huge dividends. Yeah. It reminds us of what David wrote in Psalm 116, verse one, where it says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore well, I will call on him as long as I live. Yeah. So parents that are watching this today, where do you need to be more present in your kid's life? Are we intentional with the time that we spend with our kids? Be encouraged to put the time in now because the dividends that that it will pay in the long run will just be incredible. Strive to be present, not just in the room. You know, being in the room together is great, but be present with them. And if you aren't a parent. Are you present in your relationships that you're involved in right now? Do you make other people feel seen when they talk to you? Are you uh, taking advantage of those relationships and being present in them when you're around people or are you just finding yourself preoccupied with other things? That's good. So not only does proximity matter, but we think that scripture also teaches that pursuing God matters. Yeah, it does. See, our kids need to pursue God at home. They need to see that a relationship with God is important to their mom and dad. If we want a relationship, our kids to be thinking that a relationship with God is important, they have to see it in our life as well. Uh, there's, this principle is found all through Scripture. In fact, it starts way back in the beginning of the Old Testament. Look at this in Deuteronomy 11, verse number 18. It says, you therefore shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. This idea here is uh, there are Jews still today that do this. They write portions of scripture, roll it up on small pieces of paper and wear it around the wrist and wear it hanging between their eyes. It goes on in verse number 19 where it says this. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting down in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Later on in the New Testament, Paul reiterates this to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6, 4, where he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. We focus on that a lot about not pushing our kids to anger. And that's important. But look what else Paul said. He said, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord.
1: That's good, Barry. And I want to encourage you and us too, that We wanna integrate faith in all the practical ways in our homes as well. You know, it was such a sweet time when our kids were little and they would ask us to come and pray with them at bedtime. And even if it was just to extend that bedtime where they could stay up later, it still was something we were setting those patterns for later on in their life. And even now, we'll still pray together. There's times where Barry and I will tiptoe in the kids' rooms, even as teenagers, while they're sleeping and we'll pray scripture over them. We'll pray that God's blessing will be on them and in their lives. Um, We want them to see us us praying. They want, we want them to see us reading our Bibles. And really, in today's time, we have so many cool tools. Uh, we like to use the Bible app with our kids, because we all can do the same plan together, and there's an accountability there, like, hey, how you doing on your devotions? What did you think about this chapter? So don't be afraid to get creative and think of ways that are practical that will work in your family life. Along with that, bring your kids to church. And you know, as the kids director, shameless plug here, bring your kids to Kid City. We learn Bible verses. We teach them right from the scriptures. They're surrounded with other kids that are learning to love Jesus too, and adults that are pouring into them. Same with our drive program here, our youth group stuff. Um, Bring your teenagers to church. Uh, One of the things I feel like as our kids have gotten older that I maybe didn't realize when they were smaller was the importance of having other adults pouring into our children in this area of faith. Um, Having other adults who are grounded in solid Christians and believers loving on and encouraging our kids has made a phenomenal difference. And then lastly, I just want you to think, ask your kids where they are in their faith. Ask them about their hearts. Ask them the tough questions and then be ready for their answers. And don't let the fear of not knowing the answer keep you from ghosting your kids in this area of faith. We have to be bold.
0: That's right. One of the things that we have to be careful of as parents is that we, we, we get so intense on our kids' academics or our kids' athletics. We'll, we'll spend hours a week at practice or we'll map out how they're going to get into college and how they're going to get their degree. Mm-hmm. Or we'll spend thousands of dollars on sports mm-hmm. teams and on, on private coaches and all these things. And yet we spend very little time mapping out their spiritual progress. Yeah. We need to be challenged not to be complacent about faith, but be proactive. We need to be honest with ourselves. Have we become complacent when it comes to leading our kids in their spiritual walk and their pursuit of their relationship with God? Are we encouraging them in our faith? If we were to sit down with your kids and ask them, hey, what is one of the top priorities for your parents? Would they say their relationship with God is up there? And if we're not parents, and if we're watching this message today, if we're not parents, guess what? It still is important for us to pursue God. Our relationship with him has to be the most important thing to us, and we need to model that in our life, whether we have kids or not. You know, there's a principle in Proverbs that most of us have heard and maybe even our parents have used on us before. It's found in Proverbs 13, 24 that says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son. And I'm going to be honest with you. There were times in my life that I wish my dad hated me more and would have spared the rock. <laughs> all right. But I'm also thankful that he did this second part. He said, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And I am grateful that I have some parents that set some parameters that set some boundaries for my, uh, me and my life. And that, that's the third principle that we see in scripture is that parameters matter.
1: They do matter. And I don't want you to think that boundaries are a bad word. You know, when we think rules, and I think when my kids were smaller, yes, you can say, no, don't touch that. It's hot. You're going to burn yourself. No, don't step into the road. You're going to get smushed out there. But as they've gotten bigger, we've had to kind of evolve with this whole growth process with them. And I feel like one of the ways that we've been able to do that is by setting expectations for them rather than just laying down these cold hard rules. If I hear the word rule, I immediately want to knee jerk and break it. I want to just say, "Oh, that's laid out there." No, I'm not doing that. But if an expectation is set for me, it gives me a goal. It gives me something to. Put my sights on, something to pursue. So having expectations with boundaries is one of the ways that you can set these parameters for your kids. You know, I think a personal example for us would be um, a hard line for me is that I don't want my kids to be disrespectful for me. They know this, But I also like to goof around, kid around, have fun with them. So that's tricky, right? Like where does that line of having fun and being funny with mom cross over into this area of disrespect? Uh, My kids would all attest to you. They have a couple of cues. There's some things that we put the boundary lines up. So if they're getting close to that, I'll look at them and say, do you want to try that again? And with a wry smile, they'll reword whatever they were saying and change the trajectory of whatever they were going to say that was funny. And we've kind of come to this understanding, hey, we can have fun together, but the line is you don't be disrespectful. Um, It's important to know that different kids, the boundaries look different for different personalities. Um, Our oldest would never have thought of coloring on anything but a piece of paper. That is his personality. Our middle child took a container of crayons and drew murals all over the walls in our house. And our youngest, our sweet youngest, took a rock and wrote his name in giant letters on the side of our new car. So different kids, different expectations, different boundaries. This is something to pray through and really pursue as you get to know your kids better.
0: That's right. And when I hear April talk about this, she is much better at this than I am. I am more of a rules guy. Here's your list of rules. I'm (laughs) black and white. Yes and no. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. But she has been an encouragement to me and helped me when it comes to this. She has uh, helped me set thoughtful boundaries and not just make rules. And that's an encouragement for us set thoughtful boundaries. Don't just make rules. Think about what we're we're asking our kids to to do. And as parents, we have to be uh, honest with ourselves. Are we diligent in setting boundaries or the discipline that we set in their life? You know, boundaries and discipline, again, aren't bad words. In fact, they actually bring freedom to our kids' lives. And the reason is this is because it shows our kids that we care about them and we love them. And our kids pick up on this when they see us setting healthy boundaries and healthy disciplines in their life. They pick up on this and realize that we're doing this because we love them, because we want to see our kids grow up in the Lord.
1: That's right. And the last thing we want to hit today is perseverance matters. Perseverance, sticking with it. You know, we've got this little verse on our fridge. Some of you guys might too because we give them out in Kid City. But it's a quote by Andy Stanley that says, Our greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Man, that hits home with me. Um, Sometimes being persevering is hard when it comes to parenting. Parenting can be exhausting. A lot of us are juggling jobs too. So you've got work deadlines. You've got ball practice. You have the 10,000 emails that come from your kid's school every week. You have soccer practice. You have dentist appointments, doctor's appointments. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then you have to make sure they're taking baths and brushing their teeth and packing lunches. There's a point where we just want to check out. We literally just want to step away and say, "I, I don't have it. I can't do this anymore. And honestly... It's not an option, right? It's our greatest calling, guys.
0: That's right. And so scripture, when we look at this in scripture, there's this, this word that scripture uses a lot. It's called long-suffering. The Greek mm-hmm. word for this is macrothumia or macrothumia. It means long-tempered or patient. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular view, a person that, that is long-suffering or patient isn't somebody that's weak or meek. Instead, they have a strong character and a bold, and they're bold in their resistance to making rash decisions. Yeah. And all of us should be grateful that God models this for us. He's the huh. epitome of this, of, long, of what long-suffering love looks like. Look at Romans 2.4 with us. Romans 2.4, Paul wrote this. He says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Later on, Paul writes to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4-2, he says this, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And when we read these verses, we're reminded of the love and the patience, the long-suffering that God shows to us. And we need to be encouraged to keep going as a parent, to keep persevering, to keep moving along, to be long-suffering. Don't hold back. Don't give in. Instead, go all in. Remember, this is our greatest call. It is. Now, I want to thank my wife, April, for being up here with me today. Really, I should thank my wife for allowing me to be up here with her. If you want a picture of Proverbs 31, 28, where it says her kids will rise up and call her blessed and her husband also, this is is a picture of that. I am thankful for the time, for the effort, and for the love that she shows our kids on a constant basis. So thank you, Ah, babe, for being up here with me today. I appreciate
1: you long-suffering with me up here. (laughs)
0: So parents, we hope that you have been encouraged by these biblical principles that we've seen from Scripture today and these things that are there to encourage us as parents. But let's be honest, there are some things maybe that we've done that we've ghosted our kids in. And when I was talking about this with my wife, I was convicted and challenged in several areas that I need to work on personally in my life to be present with my kids and to keep pushing them to pursue God with their life. Sometimes we just get tired and maybe, maybe the being present hasn't been happening. Maybe pursuing the relationship with God is kind of taking a backseat. Maybe the discipline and the boundaries, the parameters that we should set in place, maybe we're getting a little lax in those and, and maybe we're tired. Maybe perseverance is something that we need to be encouraged in. Could I share one more verse with you in Galatians 6 and verse number 9? Scripture says this, let us not grow weary of doing well. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. And see, this is why we do this. This is why we want to keep pushing. This is why we don't want to ghost our kids because the promises of Scripture tell us that if we keep going, we're going to reap in due season, that we're going to see the rewards of spending time with our kids. We're going to see the rewards of helping our kids pursue God, of of making sure that those boundaries, those healthy boundaries are in place of keeping at it. So I want to encourage you to just keep pushing on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Just go all in with that. And Maybe you aren't a parent today, and maybe you're saying, well, this is a nice talk for parents, but let's be honest. All these principles apply to us when we think of that fact that proximity matters. Are we diligent in our relationships, not only with our kids, but if we don't have kids, are we, and are we present with others? Are we making them a priority in our life? Are we pursuing God with our life? When we talk about pursuing God matters, are we really serious about our relationship with God? And then do we have healthy boundaries in our life? Are we setting parameters in place? Are we setting boundaries? Are we having disciplines in our life that that keep us on the walk, that keep us moving towards God? And then are we persevering? Are we getting weary and well-doing? Some man in the world can beat us down. Circumstances can beat us down. Our job can beat us down. Our family, our kids can beat us down. Are we persevering? And so we do this because of what Jesus did for us. See, all these things he displayed in his relationship with us. To be honest, our relationship with our kids is one of our greatest callings, if not the greatest calling as a parent. But more importantly than that, God wants to have a relationship with us. And today you might be watching this and you might be hearing this. You might say, man, I would love to have a relationship that I was pursued, that someone was present for me, that someone loved me, that somebody kept going even when it was hard. I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ did that for us. And I'm thankful that many years ago when I was a kid, there was a time when I understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. My sins, the things that I did wrong, the things that separated me, the things that didn't allow me to have that relationship. And he died on the cross to pay the price. But then three days later, he rose again because he wanted to have a relationship with me. I'm thankful that I can remember talking to my dad on a Sunday night and him going through that and then him getting to the scripture that says, for whosoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I remember making that decision that night that, yes, I want to call on the name of Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in my life, there have been times that I have let him down. God never calls us to be perfect, but he does call us to be faithful. Maybe today that's the relationship you desire to have. Maybe today that's the relationship you would love to have in your life. God's not going to make you perfect, but God is going to begin a relationship with you that draws you close to him. And if you're a parent, he's going to give you his spirit to help lead you as you guide your kids. If you're single or you don't have kids, he's going to allow you to have that relationship with him or your spouse or those around you that are going to speak into your life. And you can surround yourself with fellow believers that are going to allow you to walk with him. Today, you say, that's the kind of relationship I desire. I want that kind of relationship with Christ. Would you just do me a favor and say this prayer to God? Say these words to God. Say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you are God, and I want to thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I want to thank you for rising again from the dead three days later. And today I lower my pride, and the best I know how I put my trust in you and only you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to encourage you. That's the greatest decision you could ever make. Praying that prayer isn't what saves you. It's the attitude of the heart. But when you say that prayer, it's like putting a stake in the ground, a marker in the ground to remind you, like, this is when I made the decision to follow Jesus. And if you would just do us a favor, if you'd text the word Mile City to the number that you see on the screen, we would love to come alongside you and encourage you. As you go this week, if you're a parent, be encouraged that God loves you. And as a parent, he doesn't expect you to be perfect. But he has given us some principles in Scripture that we can use in our life that will help us raise up kids that pursue God. Don't ghost those that mean the most.